From member-supported CPR News, this is Purplish, a show about Colorado politics and democracy. I'm Andrew Kenny, And I'm Benta Berkland. Benta, it's nice to see you. You've been out of town for most of this week. Yes, thanks, Andy. Yep, I've been in Pueblo, Colorado, working on a project about where voters are this election cycle. Well, that's very exciting to hear. Can't wait. But before we get to that, we've also asked CPR's health reporter, John Daly, to join us this week because there are some big rumblings about the wild world of health policy. Wild world. It's a wild world in the health world for sure. Well, uh, yeah, we've got the governor taking on a lot of health issues, a public option coming down the turnpike. Do we have a turnpike? We do. Well, the one in Boulder. (laughs) (laughs) Well, while that's all been happening, we've also had another Democratic priority, paid family leave, which I kind of think of as a health policy, actually. And that that one's in a bit of trouble. So we're going to get to all that. But, um, you know, raises this big question of what Democrats will actually get done this year. But first, I want to get to my personal favorite segment, Hot Bills. Hot Bills. Hot Bills. Hot Bills. <laughs> you know, I, I, I like still to, love that. I, I like to imagine public radio hosts playing the instruments of all the uh, the different like intros and outros. Well, like, they do. Steve Inskeep's right? in there jamming on the piano. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so that was cool. me on the guitar. So first up, we got a new entry on the list this week. It's called the Electric Motor Vehicle Manufacturer and Dealer Act. Again, not the spiciest bill title. They very rarely are. But this one has attracted a lot of attention because it taps into this kind of brewing uh, brewing debate about how we should sell cars in the state, especially electric cars, which tend to uh, attract really fanatic fans. It would allow makers of electric cars to sell them right to the public instead of going through independent dealers. You can imagine who's opposed to this, the Automobile Dealers Association. Currently, only Tesla can sell its cars directly. Other car companies want to get in, especially startups like Rivian. And, uh, and be able to offer them directly to the consumer without going through these other guys. Of course, the automobile dealers say that they're an important middleman in this whole equation. It's interesting. We haven't seen a lot of hot bills in this particular policy area. One, one thing we have seen for a while has been vaccine de- issues, and th- they just keep getting a lot of clicks. Another big week for vaccine policies, mm-hmm. we have a measure moving through the Capitol that would make it harder for parents who want to opt their child out of vaccines. It doesn't change the exemption process. We would still have medical exemptions, personal belief exemptions, religious mm-hmm. exemptions, but the process for getting an exemption will be a little bit different. It's controversial. The first hearing was more than 12 hours long until the early hours of the morning. Those always stir, kind of stir up the hornet's nest, right? Yes. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, there was a bill that would prevent schools or healthcare providers from dealing with unvaccinated people differently than those who are vaccinated. That failed in the legislature, but it's a theme we're hearing from people who are opposed to vaccines that they don't feel that they're treated fairly because of their immunization record. So that's kind of like unvaccination as almost a civil right, the way they're treating it. We've seen it framed that way, yes, that they're being discriminated against. Well, it seems fascinating to me that uh, all this is happening against the backdrop of the coronavirus really taking off. And Mm. we're having this public health moment in a way in this country that maybe we haven't seen in many, many, many years. And I just wonder what impact that might have on all these various public health debates, including about vaccines. I think we're going to see the limits of how much people are willing to accept mass government intervention on a healthcare policy issue. You know, in China, even if they didn't handle the situation as well as they might have, Part of the reason the outbreak wasn't larger is that they shut down entire cities at once. 
And in the U.S., I don't think that we would ever be willing to, that the public would be willing to accept that kind of scale, especially seeing that, you know, we can't even agree on vaccines, much less citywide quarantines. And a lot of us knew coming into this legislative session that there would be discussion on vaccine policy, but there's always that unexpected element. And now we've got this international health crisis and how that impacts the discussion here. It would be fascinating. Well, and you're also seeing a lot of uh, maybe not so great information that's circulating online. And how does that influence Mm. the whole debate? Uh, It's a fascinating time right now. Fascinating and truly alarming. Um, John, changing topics, one of your big reporting areas is vaping. We haven't actually seen that make the hot bills list yet so far. Kind of to my surprise, uh, catch us up on what the legislature is doing. Well, it could be a hot bill, maybe soon. Mm. Uh, two two big things. One is that there's a bill uh, that's already had a hearing on licensing. This would be licensing of tobacco retailers. Okay. Uh, and uh, this would give the state a mechanism to enforce uh, uh, penalties against those who are selling to, to youth. A little more authority. What's the second thing? And the other one is a flavor ban, a ban on flavored nicotine products, mm. um, which are very popular popular with young people and uh, believed by the public health community to be a key, play a key role in young people starting to vape. What kind of flavors are we talking? Oh, everything under the sun. There's hundreds <laughs> of flavors, uh, pink lemonade and uh, cotton, uh, candy. cotton candy <laughs> and, and mango and lemon and lime and cherry and, you know, a gazillion flavors. So they're looking at trying to crack down on those. Yeah. I mean, that's the idea. And uh, they're going to get pushback from the industry, from vape shops, from convenience stores, from uh, adult consumers who like flavors and say it's helped them quit smoking traditional cigarettes. John, is it fair to say that's a lot more controversial than the licensing proposal? I think so. Yes. Um, Where are these bills at, by the way? So uh, the... Licensing bill has had a hearing. It's kind of and it passed uh, the first committee, and the uh, flavor ban has a hearing, a committee hearing soon. Well, I think we've all run into pro-vape protesters at different political events, and and they are turning out to be something of a political force. Uh, ben, did you have one more? Colorado is poised to be the next state to repeal the death penalty. A proposal cleared both chambers of the state legislature. Governor Jared Polis has said he would sign it into law. So, um, you know, in the name of equal justice, I think it's important that we we end this anachronistic um, method of punishment, which, you know, is gone anyway at some point. It's on the way out. Uh, let's embrace the future and, and join the nations of the world that, and this, many of the states that have already abolished the death penalty. This has been an issue that lawmakers have discussed for over a decade. It's had bipartisan support, bipartisan opposition. Two out of the three people on death row are there for murdering a state lawmaker's son and his fiance. So this is very personal to state lawmakers. Yeah. It's been a tough debate. And I think even if you don't have a close connection to the issue, a lot of people have strong feelings for moral and ethical reasons on both sides. This must be amazing for you to see, you know, after after watching the policy debates for years now. It is. It's a historic moment, whether you support it or don't. All right, let's get deeper into health policy. That's what everybody always likes to hear. This year started out with Governor Jared Polis staking out one big policy priority. He wanted to create a public health care option for Colorado. And now we're almost halfway through the session, and we haven't seen a bill yet, but there has been a little bit of movement. So, John, tell us, what is a public option exactly, and what's going on with it? 
All right. Well, let's actually talk about what it's not. This is not Medicare for all, like you're hearing at the national level with uh, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren talking about that. This would be uh, something that would exist just in Colorado. The state would set up the parameters for the program. Uh, It would be administered by insurers. And the whole idea is to give people an additional option to to get cheaper health coverage. Okay. Interesting. So- is it going to happen or not? Where is the bill? Everyone's been waiting for the bill, and I'm told by the bills, one of the bill's sponsors, Dylan Roberts, that it's coming hmm. soon, probably next week. Uh, we've been working on this idea for several years. You know, we passed a bipartisan bill last year to start this process, and so we're doing it in a really careful way that's based on data and actuarial analysis. And I would say that's pretty common when you're talking about really complex policy issues that it takes a while for a lot of people to be working behind the scenes and trying to negotiate compromises with all the different stakeholders that want to have a say in in what it's going to look like. You can still certainly make changes once a bill is introduced, but then way more people in the public are weighing in and it's they usually want to have it on more of a solid footing before they introduce it. And this one is very controversial. A lot of stakeholders, insurers, hospitals, consumers, the state government, et cetera. Well, I feel like we've been seeing this high level, like rhetorical battle over it long before it came out. Oh, no doubt. I mean, the governor and the hospitals especially have been firing shots at each other for months now. And of course, those folks are going to fight legislation that brings some sanity to pricing. I get that. But we we don't represent the special interests, we represent the people. And the people are crying out for relief on high health care costs. And we can and we will do better. You've got nonprofit independent groups running ads on this. Maybe you've seen them on Facebook. We come from different walks of life. But we agree on one important thing. We don't want to be forced into a one-size-fits-all government insurance system. The politicians may call it Medicare for all, Medicare buy-in, or the public option. But they mean the same thing. Higher taxes or higher premiums, lower quality care. And this is a huge issue we hear when we talk to voters. Hmm. People don't have great health care. They feel like they're paying a lot of money out of pocket. Some folks don't have any health care. It seems like so, so many people have a story of something they've personally experienced or a loved one has experienced that they've really struggled with. Or they're worried about losing the, yes. thing, the way things are now. Yeah, and we've been doing this Voter Voices project. Mm-hmm. We've been sending our journalists around the state to talk to voters and see what's on their minds. And healthcare is the number one concern by wow. far. Well, I'm concerned about it because it's it's a very crucial issue for people in terms of living and dying. I just think it's absolutely a crucial part of our lives uh, in terms of expenses and costs. And that is the primary reason why I am no longer, I didn't take the opportunity to retire, but I went into contract work. It's just absolutely horrendous, the costs. So actually, I was walking through the halls of the state capitol the other day, as one does, and I saw a press conference going on, came around the bend. There's Governor Jared Polis among all the marble arches or whatever they are, and John <laughs> Daly as well. And I saw a big poster board. What was going on there? It was it's something to do with healthcare, right? This is the governor's uh, press conference uh, going over his roadmap for saving Coloradans money on health care. And, um, you know, I think those of us who've 
covered uh, the governor for a little while. This was a fairly standard event, which is this man uh, loves roadmaps. They love roadmaps and they love posters. Yes, definitely. <laughs> there's and always a display. There's always a display. So on the one side, we had uh, uh, a car going down the road, electric car. And uh, oh, also good. with some like billboard looking things that say like adopt a Colorado health insurance option and expand insurance purchasing alliances, et cetera. And then on the other board uh-huh. were this was this whole list of things. And the governor was checking was going through items that the administration has accomplished. And the lieutenant governor was checking them off <laughs> uh, as they went through. And, they know how to do a scene. Yeah, it was a scene. And you know what? They have gotten a lot done. And. Um, these are things that are of, of importance to them. It's like uh, a nine-page press release, right? Nine-page press release. We're talking about uh, preventive care. We're talking about drug importation, uh, purchasing alliances, reinsurance, all these uh, kind of wonky health policy things. But because the Democrats have full control in the legislature, they have been able to get these things through. But this public option proposal will probably be the toughest political fight yeah, and what was interesting was that uh, there wasn't a ton of discussion that, about the public option at this event. It was There was a question from one of the reporters about when is the public option bill coming, and mm-hmm. then the governor sort of sidestepped that and then talked about some other stuff. So, um, you know, yes, it'll be a big fight. It'll be – it's the heaviest lift for sure. So this press conference – Governor Polis is highlighting everything he has accomplished, but what about the one big thing he wants to accomplish that hasn't happened yet on the public option? Was this in preparation for that? Did he reveal more details about what he wants? Unclear, I would say. It is at the very top of their list of priorities, uh, adopt a Colorado health insurance option. But there was kind of surprisingly not that much discussion of it at the press conference. My hunch is that the governor and his people want to kind of get out in front of maybe all these ads that they've Mm -hmm. been getting hammered by the other side on and sort of try to control the narrative a little bit. Another significant Democratic priority that has a lot going on right now at the state capitol has to do with paid family leave and how much time off workers should get to to deal with a health crisis or care for a loved one. Get us up to speed on this. Oh, my goodness. This bill has been through some trials and tribulations this year. The original big fight was whether or not they were going to create a big new public program to pay for workers' wages when they needed time off. Uh, It could have been funded by fees collected on your paycheck. Governor Jared Polis said he didn't like that model, which they had been talking about for years. And the sponsors kind of said, okay, we can deal with that. They shifted to this kind of private approach where it would just be mandated on companies to one way or another provide that paid leave, and maybe they would buy insurance to cover it. A lot of people were unhappy with that. But the core group of sponsors, they kept going. So it seemed like maybe they were going to be in the clear to get this done, maybe not in the way they had expected. But on Monday, we learned that two of the four sponsors of this bill had dropped out. Wow. That's that's pretty huge when you consider that this, this legislation failed last session. They created a study. There was an interim committee that was looking into it, yeah. an actuarial analysis. So... What was the sticking point then if they seemed to be on board with this private insurance model? So the two legislators who dropped their names from the bill, Senator Angela Williams and Representative Monica Duran, they're women of color. And they said that the way the bill was shaping up was just not going to serve their constituents. 
but what they didn't really specify was what exactly the problem was. And some of the interest groups, you know, piled on to say immediately that this was because they had shifted from this public model to a private model. But in a little further reporting, you know, from Democratic sources, and maybe this is a bit of spin from people who want to say the bill is still alive, they said it was more about almost tactical concerns, the language of the bill, that these sponsors were on board for the new model, and they did stick with it for quite a while. But they were mostly concerned about, would this include seasonal workers, people who are working at ski resorts or agricultural businesses? And how long would you have to work at a business before they allowed you to take that paid leave? Yeah, because beyond how the program's structured, what workers are included, what benefits they get, what companies have to pay. Those are a lot of significant questions that the business yeah. community you know, would have to get on board with because we've, we've heard Governor Polis say he wants the business community to, to by and large be okay with whatever the state comes up with. That's right. There's so many people you have to satisfy with the bill like this and they all seem to be, they seem to be pretty mad right now. Yeah, this is really fascinating because it seems like there's some parallels between public option, which is still to come, and then this bill yeah. on paid family leave. It just goes to show how complicated these issues are. All these stakeholders, uh, these are heavy lifts. These are not easy bills to get through, and we can see that. And even if you have one party controlling both chambers of the legislature and the governor's office, it's not a sure thing that you're going to get something through, even if it is generally a priority for members of your political party. That's right. So paid leave is not doomed by any means, but it's a rough road ahead. You know, and it makes me think the the states, like they say, are the laboratories of democracy, but the lab gets pretty messy sometimes. Let's get even deeper into actuarial studies. No, just kidding. (laughs) Uh, Benta, you got a whole week outside of the world of policy in the state capitol. You were down in Pueblo. I want to hear what did you eat? Who did you talk to? Why were you there? (laughs) I I had some great food, and I was there as part of a collaboration NPR is working on with stations across the country. It's called Where Voters Are, and they're doing just expanding on on work we're doing in in Colorado and other places where we're really trying to see what voters are thinking in this political election year. One of the stories I focused on was just what makes Pueblo so unique politically in Colorado. Tell us about that, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a Democratic area, but in the last presidential election, Donald Trump narrowly won Pueblo Mm. County. He lost in Colorado. They've also voted for Republican Congressman Scott Tipton. And so it's got a lot going on there. It's a very pro-union town, Mm. more working class. The economy's not as strong as as other parts of the front range. We've been talking about health care and how that's such a top priority for many voters. Was that the case in Pueblo, too? I definitely heard that from folks and just the economy and how it's working for some folks and not for others. I think more of the Republican voters said, look, the economy's good right now, low unemployment. Trump's doing a great job. Democrats said, yeah, maybe it's low unemployment because people have to work multiple jobs to make ends meet. We don't think it's a good situation. So a lot of economic questions. And I think even even Democrats in that region were a little bit surprised that Trump won. And they said they think his push to try to change the status quo and his economic argument really, really resonated with voters in Pueblo. Pueblo is a super interesting place politically. Obviously, Governor Jared Polis even launched his campaign there. So 
Any sense from your reporting what's going to happen? <laughs> if only I knew the answer to that question, I, I could make a lot of money, I think. Penta's <laughs> <laughs> uh, crystal ball. <laughs> exactly. It's important to Democrats. It's important to Republicans. Republican Senator Cory Gardner is going to be in a competitive Senate race. And when he won election in Colorado, he narrowly lost Pueblo. So it's hmm. it's an area that hasn't always trended exactly with the statewide election results for yeah. federal races. And it's known as Colorado's little mini Rust Belt, if you will. Hmm. And I talked to one Democratic strategist who said, look, if we could figure out Pueblo, we could figure out the country. All right, let's bring this thing home. Next segment, final segment, little thing called wait. What? Wait, what? Yeah, wait, <laughs> what? Okay, and, I got it. It's also, uh, I like to call it, okay, hmm? And the point of the segment <laughs> is to grab just little moments where in, in all this intense reporting and hanging around the Capitol, it's the, the little things that jump out and grab you and make you, make you wonder what exactly is going on inside someone else's head. So what I saw was an impromptu marriage proposal between a lawmaker and a hearing witness. And Whoa. it's going to make a little more sense once we hear the tape. Amy Bo, Willie Walters, Lyle Haas, Andy Martinez. I love you. If I wasn't married, you and I would be on our way to the chapel at this moment. Are you Andy Martinez? Okay. My name could be Martinez. Tam- All right, guys, try to figure it out. Why is Representative Tracy Crafthar ready to go down to the chapel with Andy Martinez? Gosh, I, uh, I, I I wish I knew. I feel like I should know this. That word he said was ditto. And Representative Crafthar had spent probably, you know, a minute or two explaining to all the witnesses at, at, this, uh, at this hearing that, you know, if you are signed up to say something, but someone else has already said it, taken their five minutes... You don't necessarily have to say the same thing again and again. We get it. You can say ditto. And when people started taking her up on that, she seemed to be delighted. Wow. Yeah, I've, I've heard so many committee chairs say that before. Look, don't feel like you have to, to say something if someone said it before you. And no one ever takes them up on that offer. Definitely but not. I think it's like a human psychology thing because after you see enough of these hearings, you wonder, like, why do people keep saying the same thing over and over again? But if I had sat there for two and a half hours, I probably would want to say my piece, too. Yeah, and people want to to tell their story, and there it, it is different coming from different people. And part of the job of a lawmaker is to to listen to those stories, or to look like you're listening to those stories. For sure, that's the public process. Ditto. <laughs> <laughs> that's it for this week's episode. Purplish is a production of member-supported Colorado Public Radio. Learn more about becoming a member and join today at CPR.org. I'm Andrew Kenny with my colleagues Benta Berkland and John Daly. This episode was produced by Shane Rumsey and edited by Megan Verlee. CPR's head of audio innovations is Brad Turner, who also composed our theme music. Our executive producer is Rachel Estabrook. If you're enjoying Purplish, help others find us. Like and review the show on iTunes. And to keep up with everything we've talked about this week and more, follow us on Twitter. I'm at Benta Berkland. And I'm at Andy K-N-N-Y. And I'm at C-O Daily News. Daily is D-A-L-E-Y. 
We'll be back in your podcast feeds next week. Until then, this is Purplish from CPR News. Hot Pueblo. <laughs> Hot chili. Okay.